One. When I'm working out, I love to listen to your podcast. Whenever you say something, other people react to it. Taking my breath away, Aaron. Fern Lundquist joins me. Hall of Famer. Jim Calhoun, NASCAR icon Dale Earnhardt Jr. Kirk Herbstreet is on the phone. Here we go. Oh, he's so handsome. What's his name? Welcome in, everybody. Episode 239 of the podcast that is sweeping America, the Air Torres Sports Podcast. People, you have asked for extra content. And did AT do it again, or did AT do it again? We have ourselves a bonus episode, Wednesday edition of the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. So to be clear, there's going to be no sports talk off the top. Nothing to share. I'm not going to do uh, 10 minutes on this transfer or 10 minutes on this guy who declared for the draft. We are going to get straight to the interview because here is who is joining the show today. You've all watched Tiger King, right? Joe Exotic, Carol Baskin. Carol Baskin's first husband, who's no longer with us. It's a long story. We can't really talk about it. Carol Baskin's second husband, Doc Antle. Doc Antle's uh, workers at his... You know, it's a great documentary. Nick Coffey and I talked about it the other day. But Sylvia Corkle is the reporter in the documentary who covered this case from beginning to end. She's been covering Joe Exotic in some form or fashion for the past 15 years. And she joins this Aaron Torres Sports bonus edition of the podcast to talk about it all incredible interview she talks about covering joe exotic i keep wanting to call him joe dirt by the way he she talks about covering joe exotic dating back to when the park basically opened through his presidential run through the trial she talks about where things stand now she talks about uh you know where the park is jeff Lowe. it is an incredible interview from somebody who absolutely lived it every day for about 10 years she's been covering this story 15 years covering this story she is incredible so so Sylvia Corkle will join me momentarily. Before she does, I do want to say really quick this. Thursday, I will be back for the normal episode of the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast with another great guest. How about this? Thursday afternoon, or Thursday's episode, Jim Calhoun will join me again. And I know some of you, you're not UConn fans, you're Kentucky fans, you're Tennessee fans, you're Georgia fans, you're uh, Arizona fans. You probably hate Jim Calhoun. Let me just tell you. This is one of the best interviews that I've ever done. And I don't know if Coach Calhoun was just bored or what, but he was incredibly gracious with his time. He gave coaching tips. I know some of you guys coach coach your, your son's team, your, your, your child's team, your daughter's team. I know some of you love the recruiting aspect. He talked about recruiting Kemba Walker, recruiting Ben Gordon, uh, Karan Butler, how he was an efficient at Karan Butler's wedding. It was an incredible half-hour interview with Jim Calhoun. That is coming on Thursday's episode, so make sure you look out for that. And I promise, even if you don't think you like Jim Calhoun, you will feel differently about the interview. He was incredible. That is coming on Thursday's episode. But now, as I said, Sylvia Corkle from the Tiger King, she covered this trial from beginning to end. I'm not going to talk sports today. There is no sports talk. It is simply an interview with Sylvia Corkle that I will get to right now. Uh, by the way, let me know if you like it. Let me know what you think. Let me know if you like the bonus episode. Let me know if you like these, these episodes where I don't really do any sports talk and I just talk to a guest. Let me know. You can always hit me up, as always, on Instagram at Aaron underscore Torres underscore sports underscore podcast on Instagram. Hit me up by Gmail, Aaron Torres, podcast questions at gmail.com, Twitter at Aaron underscore Torres. But no more time to waste, no more sports talk today. Uh, I will be back on Thursday 
with Jim Calhoun plus whatever's going on in the world of sports. But now, here is Sylvia Corkle, News Channel 9 in Oklahoma, who covered the Tiger King trial, Joe Exotic, an unbelievable interview that you guys are going to enjoy. Here is Sylvia Corkle. All right, and joining me on the phone now, uh, we talked a lot about Tiger King here over these last couple weeks, and there really is nothing better than actually talking to somebody who lived it, who uh, whose life was consumed by it for many years. You saw her in the documentary from News Channel 9 in Oklahoma. Sylvia Corkle's on the phone. How you doing today, Sylvia? Oh, I'm doing pretty good. Thanks for having me. Doing pretty good. Let me ask you. So, first question. Outside of obviously, look, coronavirus, everyone's lives have been kind of flipped on their heads here the last two, three weeks, uh, you know, with what's the, the serious issues going on in the world. How much has your life changed, uh, you know, since this documentary came out? Because it has been all anybody's talking about since basically the day it came out. How has your life personally changed since this documentary came out? I mean, you know, when when the producers first approached me about this documentary, they told me that. Uh, Netflix had already purchased it, oh. and um, but you know you have to keep in mind I'm working. Uh, you're, you're a journalist, you know how busy the work we get. Sure. And so I was a little hesitant to move forward with this because to balance, you know, your work day with those shoots, you know, in the middle of the day, I wasn't sure I was going to have time. So you know they would call um, every now and again and just ask, "Hey, are you still interested in something that you could do?" And I really kind of shied away from it, and uh, finally, you know, was able to carve out some time, and really had no idea what this would turn into. It just exploded overnight. I uh, have never been, uh, you know, I didn't have a subscription to Netflix. I didn't watch, you know, I didn't binge watch anything uh, up until the past year. I would get a subscription, and then I realized, you know, why people are watching all these different shows and um, really understood uh, just all the attention that this has received. Um, so when you ask, you know, how have things changed? I mean, I can tell you that since the day that this was released, I have just been fielding literally hundreds of messages via social media, email, uh, every day, every day. Unbelievable. How have you kind of been balancing? Because you did say, you know, you still are on the news covering kind of the news of the day in Oklahoma. I mean, how do you try to find that balance or whether it's people like me kind of wanting to talk to you, whether it's just fans saying we love we love what you saw in the documentary? Like, how do you find that balance of being respectful of how much people enjoy the documentary versus like, I still got a job to do? You know, I, I certainly appreciate everyone taking so much interest in the documentary. Um, obviously, I just played a small role in it. I'll, you know, I just provided some context. Um, so certainly want to answer questions from cu- curious viewers. And, um, and there's been a lot of, of misnomers, a lot of misunderstandings. Sort of, you, you know, once something like this um, is thrown out there, as bizarre as the entire background is, uh, there tends to be some the rumors that kind of run rampant. So I've had a lot of people ask me, you know, is this true or is that true? Or, and, and I try to answer those. But obviously right now, uh, the time that we're facing here with Corona, mm-hmm. that's our priority 
And uh, so if at a later time, you know, I apologize if I'm not able to get back to everyone as quickly as I'd like to, just because we have such pressing matters with corona. Every day something new is happening. No, 100%. And, and I do, uh, again, to reiterate, appreciate you making some time to talk to me. And hopefully we can knock out some of these questions that everybody has. Um, and, you know, one thing I, I, I did want to kind of ask is really, like, what was – what was actually you know what backtrack one second really quick i do want to know because you did say you are a journalist you are trained in this i've obviously done some homework and i've seen that you've covered some of the biggest you know murder trials in the area drug busts prostitution rings things like that um how surreal is it to you to kind of be in the middle of this over what was a very serious topic murder for uh, murder for hire and we all know what the topic was but it's also at the end of the day a tiger park with kind of this eccentric character that's become an internet meme like how do you balance the two of like i'm a journalist like i take my job very seriously but it is kind of crazy that this is the thing that everybody wants to focus on right now no and it is crazy and and i certainly understand why so many people want to follow it you know every I've heard this over and over since the airing of this, of this docu-series, is fact is stranger than fiction. Mm-hmm. And it in fact is. Uh, this case, since I started following uh, Joe Exotic, I mean, being from Oklahoma, I was familiar with Joe Exotic. You know, he had been in the media spotlight long before I had ever uh, familiarized myself with any of his cases, before he got into trouble with the law. Um, you know, he, of course, ran for president in 2016, ran for governor in 2018, so certainly was familiar with his name and with what he did. That Tiger Zoo, uh, I can tell you, for many years, just driving around the state of Oklahoma, I would always see the, the huge billboards that mm-hmm. advertise the Tiger Zoo. And, uh, you know, and I often said, oh, I, I just go there, I check it out, and, and, I, and I never did. Uh, and then just to see how this has evolved from just seeing a billboard to Joe's arrest to his trial uh, to every the details that came out and then now this this series uh, it you know really I've been following it for the past five years but it seems like it all just went by in a blink of an eye. Hundred percent. So let me ask you this then: When was I mean? You've obviously been kind of in the 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 local news scene there for for quite a bit of time now. So was Joe Exotic? Was he what? What was the local perception of him? Say even before you said he's been in the media for a number of years, long before he ran for governor, for president, and all that stuff. I mean, what was the kind of reputation of the Tiger Park and Joe Exotic? Was it as simple as he's hey, is this this funny looking guy with this park? I mean, was there any? What was he just kind of uh, the? Ca- uh, go ahead, go ahead. You know. I think any time he talked about the park, it was kind of approached with a sense of humor. Sure. Um, I don't think that anyone really ever realized uh, what was happening to the animals, of uh, the conditions that they were being forced to live in. And when you talk about, you know, they call it uh, pay to play. You pay to play with these with these cubs. And I think that when people are paying to pet these cubs, you know, they're they're cute. They're these beautiful animals that everyone wants to get close to. People are drawn to. There's something exciting, beautiful about it. And I think when people are paying money to handle those tigers, you aren't thinking. I know that I had never thought uh, about the welfare of the animals. How is this impacting them? Are they being taken away from their mother at a young age? Are they being groomed? 
what happens when they can no longer be handled uh, uh, by those who are raising them. And, and you know, as we found out through this trial, we, we did learn that many of them were killed, uh, at least five of them. Um, so before learning all of this, when, when you talk about Joe Exotic and you talk about the Tiger Park, you know, it was... It, there was a, a fun, lighthearted stigma behind it. Oh, yeah, the Tiger Park, that crazy guy with the blonde mullet, uh, with the castle leather jacket, and mm-hmm. his Wrangler, and, and his leg strap gun, you know. Uh, he was very, very eccentric. And uh, I think that across, you know, people who who were familiar with with Joe, with his image, you know, they kind of poked fun at Oklahoma and said that he was our, our what Oklahoma embodied, which mm. obviously is not the case. Sure. Absolutely. When did so, you... Go, so, go ahead, go ahead. So, you know, it, it, it's just uh, turned into something uh, much more... It, it certainly didn't have the lighthearted appeal that it had for years and years and years. Like I said, when he talked about Joe Exotic, uh, when he came up in the newsroom, it was always just something we kind of uh, poked fun about and, 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 you know, asked, oh, what did he say? Oh, let me see that video. I want to see his interview. I, you know, what did he say this time? Because mm-hmm. he always knew he was going to say something salacious or outrageous. Absolutely. Um and when did you realize, or was there a moment, but, you know, I, I don't know how the whole, you know, obviously the Netflix documentary shows parts, but not all of, when did you first realize there may be something more here, whether it is uh, abuse at the animal park, but more likely it was probably the situation with Carol Baskin. I mean, when did you first realize he isn't just this eccentric dude, uh, there's some kind of dark sides to him? Well, you know, I, I remember being in the newsroom one day, and we we were hearing rumblings of Joe Exotic being tied to a murder-for-hire scheme. Mm-hmm. And initially, again, we just thought it was something, just a rumor. I mean, in that world, uh, there are so many individuals that are connected in that, in, in that tiger world, in that animal world. They're all trying to bring each other down. They're all trying to, you know, take the spotlight, or at least so many of them are. So we just thought that this was another rumor that someone was spreading and it was going to be unfounded. But very quickly we learned that, no, in fact, he had been indicted on federal charges for murder for hire uh, to kill Carol Baskin, um, who's an animal rights activist there in Florida. Uh, And I think that we were just all taken aback. I mean... It just took a second to process that. No, no, 100%. And I, and I would ask you this, and this was something that, you know, I've talked about, uh, you know, every time I talk about the documentary is that one thing that does make the documentary so compelling is that it isn't just Joe Exotic, it isn't just criminal activity, but there are other kind of characters, for lack of a better term, in this community. So even before, and even if you thought it was lighthearted, it was pretty well known, hey, there are kind of rivalries within this kind of big cat community, if you will. Yeah, you know, I would say this, uh, because of the trial, you know, throughout the trial, um, obviously there were several witnesses, witnesses that um, were were close to Joe at one time, and maybe later those friendships had, 
had, they had severed ties with him or he had severed ties with them, the relationship, for whatever reason, had gone sour. Uh, and what I can tell you is from those individuals that testified, it became very clear very quickly that in that world, there really are a lot of unsavory characters. Yeah. Uh, uh, and, and, and it revealed, you know, when you talk about, again, these tigers and these beautiful animals and cuddly and cute, uh, it was almost eclipsed by this dark side, the underbelly of this world that, uh, that, that this case brought attention to. When do you realize, obviously, when federal trial, when federal charges are brought, excuse me, you know it's a very serious deal. But, you know, as the case is going on, when do you realize, like you said a minute ago, wow, this is way bigger than I thought. We thought Joe Exotic was this eccentric guy. But, like you said, there's an underbelly. There are things like that. I mean, how far along in the process, or is it pretty early, where you just realize, oh, this is way more serious than we thought it was? Well, I, I mean, certainly, when federal charges are brought out, of course, uh, you know, federal prosecutors aren't just going to bring yeah. charges upon someone, especially as serious as these, if they don't have, for the most part, an airtight case. Um, and, and so when you see those charges, you immediately wonder, wow, what's the evidence? What, you know, what, what will be presented in court? Because you know that there has to be some hard evidence. We're not just talking circumstantial. And that is what we saw when, during the course of this trial. Uh, I think what really opened our eyes and what made us go, wow, you know, this is going to be hard to dispute is when federal prosecutors introduced video that was uh, recorded not only by undercover agents, but also a former friend, I guess you could call him a friend, uh, uh, another person who was in that world who had gone undercover uh, for the federal government. And so you saw these recordings of Joe, uh, you know, kind of casually discussing, uh, can we pull this off? How much will it cost? And when you talk about things like that, uh, it's really hard to dispute or just to say, um, well, you know, I just said it in a moment of anger. I, you know, I want Carol Baskin dead. I think it, it, it goes much further than that when it's day after day after day after day and money exchanges hands and you have a, a, another witness that's willing to testify that yeah he agreed to commit that murder but the, the plans fell through so one of the compelling or the the way that the documentary was shot and i don't know if you've seen it beginning to end yet but there was kind of a compelling moment towards the end where joe actually takes the witness stand in his own defense against his own uh attorney's suggestion and the way that the, the documentary presents it is he makes this big, compelling, grand case that uh, you know he isn't the person that he says that, that he is and all that kind of stuff. Were you in the courtroom that day, and was that kind of, if you were, assuming you were, was that testimony as compelling as Netflix made it seem, or was it, was it not at all? Uh, I, was, I was in the courtroom the day that he testified, and yes, we were all surprised that he did testify. Um, just getting to know Joe throughout the process, and again, just, you know, you don't have to know him on a personal basis, but you know that he loves stuff. He has the gift of gab. 
And, you know, if that's your client, that's the last thing you want them to do if, um, if the, if the evidence is stacked up against them. But Joe does have, uh, he, he has this childlike quality about him. Yeah. He can be very endearing. He knows exactly what to say, when to say it. And, um, I, I, I think that Joe just thought, um, he could talk his way out of it. If, if the jurors would just listen to his side of things, they would understand where he was coming from. Um, but I think what was detriment to him is he never took ownership of what we saw and heard in those videos, you know, and, um, he just consistently diverted the blame to those around him. Um, and and was it emotional? Yes. I mean, it was emotional. There were times where, um, you know, he would stop and he would sob um, and, and, and what became very, very emotional. Um, he talked about his family. He talked about his ex-husband. Um, he talked about the death of, of one of his husbands. And so, you know, it, it, it was an emotional day and, um, I think that it was compelling in some aspects, but not in the way he needed it to be. So essentially what what you're saying is when he took the witness stand, it was never him denying the charges. It was just him trying to rope other people in. Is that kind of my understanding? Yeah. I mean, he didn't didn't really deny the charges. Um, You know, as far as the animal charges were concerned, he, he said, yes, you know, I did shoot and kill five tigers, but it was because uh, they were having health issues, uh, that, you know, they had bad teeth, they were in misery uh, because their teeth were so bad, they were starved to death, so essentially, you know, shooting them out of their misery. Um, but, you know, later on, they, they brought out pictures of the soul, they had people testify that, you know, these animals were in good condition, mm. their teeth were still intact, that sort of thing. Um, when it came to the murder for hire charges, he said, um, and, and, and still to this day, he maintains that he was roped into this um, by his business par- partner, Jeff Lowe, who came in when the park was financially struggling and was going to go under after Carol Baskin had won this million-dollar judgment against him for copyright infringement. Uh, so Jeff Lowe came in, and, you know, Joe said essentially he believed he was his knight in shining armor. He would come, save the zoo. Joe could still manage the park. He could still be the Tiger King. He could still get on the glory. And uh, Jeff Lowe would essentially just come in, put the bill, um, and get the park back on track. So Joe claims that he that once Jeff Lowe came in around 2017 to rescue this park, that Jeff, even though he said, you know, I'm just here to, to financially support this place, I don't want to own it, I don't want to run it, you know, you'll do that for me. He said that Jeff really had other intentions, and um, he was the one who wanted to kill Carol Baskin because she was making it so hard for them to... To, to continue with their park, there was multiple lawsuits. You know, they were hemorrhaging money, and so Joe maintained that it was Jeff Lowe who plotted with him that planted the seed uh, 
to kill her and that he felt like he couldn't really do anything to stop that train. What is the public in that community think of Jeff Lowe because he is if you know correct me if I'm wrong but he's taken over and the the way the documentary ends is he's building a bigger and better park um I don't know if it's even maybe just changed in the last 10 days week whatever it is but I mean is there sentiment to reopen this park because obviously there's a lot of a lot of stuff that came out not only in the trial but also since this documentary I mean what is kind of the status of the park and Jeff right now well, you know that the park never closed. Oh, okay, following okay. Trial, following this trial, Jeff uh, kept the doors to GW Exotic Animal Park open. He kept those doors open, and, and it's still in operation. Uh, and But he did announce his plans to move this to Sacraville. And I think you see a little bit of that in the documentary where friends advise him to move to Sacraville, closer to Texas, people with more money will come by there. Of course, he's got the casino there, so you'll have more traffic. Uh, so we do know that Jeff Lowe is efforting uh, to build a park there um, that he told the public several months ago would be open by now. However, that does that has not happened. Um, if you follow his Facebook, you'll see the you know, he did. He and his wife or girlfriend they uh, they they did have a, a little baby. So he says that that kind of put things on the back burner. So the park has re- remained open. However, it remained open up until yesterday, uh, huh. as of Sunday, the sheriff's department went to shut it down because of the corona scare, and um, they essentially said that. They did not follow in the guidelines and uh, were not considered an essential business. Sure. So for now, the, the the park is closed. But there there hasn't been any kind of public pushback in terms of the actual substance of what goes on in the park, at least as of now. And obviously that's subject to change as more stuff comes out about the documentary. I mean, I think that there's always been controversy surrounding it. Um, you know, that PETA was very much involved. Uh, when Joe was the owner there, uh, and, 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 and PETA and other animal rights activists really, uh, wanted to do anything in their power in order to have that do dismantled. Um, but, and of course, you know, Carol Baskin, that's one thing that she's been fighting for since, uh, she became, since she learned of Joe and Joe learned of her. That's one thing that she's been doing now. She has a park of her own, of course, it's an animal sanctuary, Uh, so she would argue, well, the animals that she has are animals that she has rescued from places like Joe's former zoo or, you know, from circuses and things of that nature. Now these animals are allowed to live out their lives, you know, peacefully and in a a better environment. Um, But I think, you know, anytime you get animals in an enclosed space, there are going to be people who who don't support that, um, you know, and, and rightfully so, you argue that these animals deserve to be uh, in their natural habitat. But at the same time, we know that their natural habitat is decreasing by the moment as, as you know, areas are being torn down and built upon. And uh, so we keep these animals so that we can learn and it can bring awareness to the dangers that they face uh, in their natural environment. 
Very good. So is there is, is there pushback? Is there? I, I think there's two sides. I mean, I, and I think that's evident. You know, when you talk about the amount of people who are still going to the park. Sure. Uh, you know, when when you see a full a full parking lot uh, of cars, well, you know, obviously there's still interest, uh, but. Then there's also Facebook pages that exist of thousands of individuals who, you know, are doing everything they can to to have it closed. So I think that there's just two sides of it. You know, there's there's two sides to that coin. Makes perfect sense. Couple questions. We'll get you out of here. You're very very busy. Uh, in, you can put on your journalist hat. You can put on your viewer hat. Whatever. Do you think? that justice was served for Joe Exotic? Because it, it, it's interesting, you watch the documentary, and, you know, you, it, like, part of you feels like, oh, man, like, this guy got railroaded, and there were allegedly other people involved, all that kind of stuff. And then part of it is, you kind of look at the facts of the case, and you say, okay, he didn't get the 79 years or whatever he was up for, but 20 years of jail feels, you know, like it's not the worst thing in the world. Do, do you feel, as, as someone who's covered the court system for years, do you feel like justice was served with Joe Exotic? I mean, I, I, I think that justice was served, certainly. I mean, he did do horrible things to these animals. Uh, he, he did kill five tigers. Yeah. And I think that when people say, well, he was railroaded, I mean, you, you look at his age, he's 56 years old, you talk about three years, I mean, it's essentially a death sentence. And so I think the thing that the majority of people have a hard time wrapping their hands around is, especially when you see this documentary, you understand that there's far more people involved in this, sure. and it's far, it, it, it's more, it, it's more, it's far more reaching than even what meets the eye. Realize there have been many players in this case. So, the, you know, we know that the federal government was involved, fish and wildlife was involved, and and all for the greater good of the animals. Uh, but many people question with just one person behind bars, what sort of impact? did we truly make? Uh, you know, the person, again, this is what you hear in the documentary, who suffered are the animals. They suffer the most, and they currently suffer. You know, and while, you know, have you put a dent in this with just one person? I think when you talk about justice, you talk about justice for the animals. Uh you know, as far as Joe is concerned, is he where he should be? Yes. Uh, but when you talk about the extent, when you talk about 22 years, you know, you hope that the reason why he was given this sentence is so that it sends a message, a clear message to, to all of those that are in this industry that it will not be tolerated. If you're even thinking about doing something like this, it will not be tolerated. So you certainly hope that it sends a message to those individuals that it curbs some of this uh, from going on. Uh, but it but it also makes you wonder why is there only one individual behind bars? It makes perfect sense. It makes perfect sense. Is there anything the documentary either didn't get right or sensationalized? Because when you see a story like this, it's there's it's so sensational as it is, and I think people tend to think, well, they didn't talk about this enough, or they didn't talk about that enough, or this doesn't make sense. Was there anything that you felt like either wasn't accurately depicted, overly dramatized, anything like that? I mean, I think that it, it really, I think it was at the beginning where, where um, you see 
Joe and his boyfriend and his husband, and, and it's like a circus, right? You see them on that ride, and they're all kind of going around, and it's just a dee, 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 kind of music <laughs> sure. going in the background. Um, it, and I think that it, it it did capture what was going on here. It very much was a circus with, you know, the ringleader being Joe, and, um, you know, he had these animals. It was magical in some aspects, it was sad in some aspects, and it was dark. Um, so I know that there have been a lot of people that haven't been happy with the way that they've been portrayed in this, and they said, you know, it did sensationalize uh, what was going on, and I think to a degree, yeah, but but it, it did, it was the truth, I mean... I don't think that there were any lies that were told uh, that that I could see. Um, I think it, it it brought attention to this, and I think had it not been uh, developed or gone the direction in which it did, I think far less people would have had less interest in it, which in turn means far less attention is brought to these tigers. You know, mm-hmm. I think the saddest part of this documentary, which I think, you know, through all of his humor and all of the outrage, you know, just how outrageous this all was, I think in the end, in closing, when you see the animal, when you saw those chimpanzees hug in the end, yep. you, what comes to the forefront of your mind is the animal. And, and I hope that people are more aware of what goes on when you when you go to these places and you pay mm. and fail to realize the price that the animal at the end is paying. Yeah, no, and that was kind of the theme of the documentary is that there were no winners in the end. Is there anything, you said that you've been getting questions from viewers nonstop. Is there anything as we wrap here that I haven't hit on that viewers want, that you want viewers to know about either your coverage or the story itself? I mean, the one question that I keep getting is, you know, is this real? <laughs> and it is. Yeah. It is. It, it you know, uh, and, and I can't tell you this. I know that uh, Oklahoma, to some degree, has been the butt of jokes, mm-hmm. you know, because of this documentary. But, you know, I can say this, you know, there in, in Winniewood, you have 20, population 2,200. So just use that as a barometer for the state, because there are wonderful people in the state of Oklahoma. There are educated people in the state of Oklahoma. Um, You know, the the individuals portrayed don't represent the state as a whole. Um, But on the other side of that, I can tell you that I have spoken with many of those characters that you saw in the documentary and, you know, whether you're making fun of them because the tattoos or the teeth or their, their dialect, uh, the way they dress, all of them, I, you know, really do have a redeeming quality about them. You can find that in all of them. And, sure. and for the most part, uh, they, there's something good-hearted about them all. Last question. You can find that. You can find that. I was going to say, last question. Are you personally glad? You said you were hesitant to, to take part in this documentary when they first approached you. Are you glad that you decided to take part in it? Oh, I, I, 
Yes, I'm glad that I that I was a part of this. Uh, you know, again, I just think that I brought some context to it all and could just kind of help connect the dots. And and you know, certainly, I'm glad that I could contribute to it. Very good, Sylvia Corkle, of course, from News Channel Nine in Oklahoma. This was unbelievable. Uh, first of all, make sure to follow Sylvia on Twitter at Sylvia underscore Corkle. Uh, I very much appreciate the time, and it's one thing for a guy like me to watch the documentary and talk about it. It's another thing for somebody who eats, slept, breathed it for however many years to share their insights. So, Sylvia, I uh, genuinely appreciate you making some time, and, and I really appreciate you doing this. Yeah, thank you so much for having me.